Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 13. I'm Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. Now, if you're listening to this the day that it was released, I got some good news for you. Tomorrow, March 3rd, the new issue of Rootless Living will be available. Now, if you haven't subscribed, head over to rootlessliving.com. All you got to do is put in your first name and your email, and you'll receive the issue as soon as it goes live. On this episode, I chat with Jesse and Rachel, also known as the Taste for Adventure, who are traveling while still working 9-to-5 jobs. The interesting part is they had these same 9-to-5 jobs, but they worked in an office and they were able to take their jobs on the road. And in this episode, they're going to tell you how they did that. Let's get into the episode. All right, you guys, with that, I want to welcome Rachel and Jesse to the show. How are you guys? We're awesome. Thanks for yeah, having we're us. We're doing great. That's really good. You guys sound crystal clear. So that's always good. Where are you guys? What's your current location? Believe it or not, we're actually at Walt Disney World right now, which maybe is not the most adventurous location, but we are here for the week. Uh, we're staying at Fort Wilderness Campground, which I think many people consider to be one of the best campgrounds in America. We really love it. Uh, and we do, you know, all kinds of camping from boondocking in the middle of nowhere to sometimes a really, really cushy campground resort like this one. Uh, so we're enjoying the magic here it's been great that is awesome i think i've seen actually some videos i at almost six foot seven now that my kids are grown i stay away from amusement parks it's just not it's not made for guys as tall as me they're just (laughs) (laughs) it's a small world is like legitimately true like don't go to disneyland if you're six foot seven it's not fun jesse hates it's a small world right jesse yeah but that's not because of height reasons that's just sound reasons (laughs) yeah but it's just it's cringeworthy for sure what do you guys consider yourself are you guys full-timers part-timers uh we're absolutely full-timers uh we have been doing this for about a little over a year now we pretty much got rid of everything we had grabbed an rv and hit the road and haven't really gone back since that's all what do you uh what are you traveling in when you say rv let the peeps know exactly what you're traveling in uh we have a 2002 keystone cougar uh that we're towing with a ram 2500 it's a fifth wheel wheel. 29 feet long which is i think one of the smallest fifth wheels you can get but it's perfect for us yeah i'm 42 foot and i wouldn't mind like six feet being chopped off but not losing any of my living room space (laughs) i don't don't know how that's mathematically possible so 2002 uh question i'll ask is you hear the rumors of if something is more than 10 years old you can run into problems getting into campgrounds now you're one of the at one of the premier campgrounds in the world so obviously it's not an issue there has that been an issue at all with it being an older fifth wheel no not at all and we really are right on the edge usually it's about um I, th- I do wonder a couple years down the road if we're going to run into issues. Uh, I think a lot of it is they're making a call based on the appearance of the RV from the exterior is what I think a lot of campgrounds are doing. So as long as you keep the exterior of your camper clean and neat, we have some decals that we're peeling off. So we just took those right off to make the RV look a little a little younger, <laughs> but other than that, we really haven't had much for issues, but also we don't stay at a ton of private campgrounds. So that might be part of it as well. Totally. Yeah. As long as you don't have the blue tarp bungee cord roof, I think you're okay. <laughs> I mean, I know that's pretty stylish, but if you don't have that, you're probably Sometimes good. you need to look like that. But... You do. Without a doubt. Everyone needs a good hairnet, even an RV. Um, when did travel become part of your daily life? Let's, uh, I know you said about a year ago Um, let's talk about how that happened in the sense that when did you guys start talking about this idea to then your actual launch date yeah so we had the idea around christmas of 2017 um, and we left in november of 2018 so it was about a year from idea to uh launch and it, uh, what happened was we were just felt so stretched then with our lives. So we were living in Boston, Massachusetts at the time. And it actually happened because of the Christmas holidays. We were spending the Christmas holidays with Jesse's family in Maine. And but my family was also scattered all over the country. We have three weeks of vacation a year. And what ended up happening is we were spending so much time of our vacation time seeing our families which is a good thing you should do that Uh, but we didn't have any time left over for ourselves so we were driving home from vacation from vacation our uh christmas time with jesse's family and we were pretty stressed out and we were talking we said you know 
if only there was a way that we, we could see everyone that we want to see and also take the vacation that we want without taking tons of time off of work. And then that's kind of where the idea came from. Um, I actually RV'd with my family a little bit when I was growing up. We had a little casita and then we had a class C, which was great. And we knew other than that, we knew nothing about RVing though. We actually didn't even know that people live in RVs full time, which is kind of crazy. But when you live in the city, that's not something that you see a lot, obviously. So uh, so we, what we ended up doing was three weeks later, we went to an RV show that just happened to be in Boston a couple of weeks later, looked at RVs, and we just absolutely knew that this was the path forward for us. Now, you guys bought, obviously, a used fifth wheel. Did you guys renovate it? What did you guys do? Or did you just, you know, you bought it and it was like, no, this is good enough. Let's go. We bought it and it was in pristine shape, which was shocking for an almost 20-year-old rig. Um, but we knew that we wanted to actually make the space our own. So once we got it, which was in... Uh, June a uh, year and a half ago about and we then spent every weekend for five months renovating the entire thing the interior um redid the bedroom redid the bathroom uh redid counters sinks installed the desk installed new flooring stripped the hideous textured wallpaper off um <laughs> to put in something a little easier on the eyes um gave the whole thing a new coat of paint and we're really happy with how it looks now but it was a lot of work. I don't think I've ever seen so many carpet staples in my life. No, <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah, they definitely, they're not on a quota when it comes to anything with a stapler when they're making these things. Yeah, it was a lot of work, but at the end of the day, it was definitely worth it um, for sure. It feels like home. We, always, we say all the time, this is our favorite home that we've ever had. And I think probably because we were renting up to that point, uh, but it really feels like ours and we really love that. Did you have any background in, you know, a handy kind of stuff, maintenance, <laughs> construction, or is it all kind of just new and you were learning on the fly? Absolutely not. Well, Jesse, a little more than me, but yeah, we I had don't. spent um, a few summers in high school helping my dad with some like simple renovation projects. So I could, I knew how to do flooring. I knew how to do a lot of the basic stuff. And then we eventually reached the point where we had to start really trying to figure out how is the RV different? And then we had to bring in a few people, especially when we got to like electrical. That was one area I said I'm not dealing with, especially because I now finally understand the difference between like 12 and 120 volt systems. Just right. took a little while. Right. It's smart, though, to have the professionals deal with electricity in an RV. So that's a smart move. YouTube well, is so helpful as well. Like there's so many resources online. Anytime we wanted to know how do we do something, someone had usually documented it through YouTube or a blog post. Uh, there's an account, Mountain Modern Life. They put some amazing tutorials on their website that was really, really helpful for us. So definitely if we can do it, anyone can do it. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Now I will say you started out with, you were really surprised about how pristine it was when I purchased this fifth wheel, I had to store it for about a month and a half before we took off. We bought new. I couldn't find a storage yard in Los Angeles for it like took forever. And I finally found one. It was like $600 for 45 days. Oh. And I talked to the guy and he said about 80% don't leave the storage yard. Wow. Right. So these people own RVs, whatever they did, they went out for a week or two, they put it in storage and they haven't touched it some in a year, some in years. And so finally they decide to sell it and you're getting like a barn find in a way, like when someone mm -hmm. loses their mind over a classic car, it's the same thing. So that's where, you know, I think people are a little scared sometimes of used. I think used is a good way to go as long as you do really get down into kind of the guts of it and make sure that you've mm -hmm. seen everything. So then you know what to expect. We got so lucky with ours. The former or owner was a mechanic, actually. So, oh. and he was showing us, oh, look, this is where I replaced the roof. This is where I, you know, this is the undercarriage. This is why I did here. And we were like, as soon as we saw that, we knew we were absolutely in good hands. And um, we found our RV through Facebook Marketplace, which was so inexpensive. It was so easy. It was a great find. And I definitely would recommend buying used, especially because someone has already diagnosed a lot of the issues with your RV already and fixed yep. them in a lot of cases, which might not always be the case with a new model. Without a doubt. Well, let's talk about what your life looked like before you guys became digital nomads. Uh, I know you said you were in Boston. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. 
And we were what? living yeah. in Cambridge, Massachusetts. So we were um, it, it, very much in an urban area before living in an apartment. And then what were you guys doing for a living? What was work like for both of you? Pretty standard, uh, you know, the nine to five grind. Um, in my case, it was woke up every morning, got on the same train every day, rode that into the city, went to my office, um, was there for, you know, eight, nine hours, then got on the same train back and came home and doing that day in, day out. Um, really wasn't a lot of variation in terms of what we were able to do just because of the amount of time and quickly learning that your morning commute could be 25 minutes or it could be an hour and a half because Boston transit is not the most reliable system out there. <laughs> right. Definitely. Yeah. It was hectic for sure. We both worked full time. We, we still do both work full time, but we had both been in our jobs for a while. We were a little bored with that. We were looking for a change. I was definitely out of the house for probably 15 hours a day, usually uh, during the week. And it was exhausting. We really didn't see each other that much. And our weekends got really, really hectic too, trying to fit in all the things that we wanted to do for ourselves and our families and just trying to balance everything. Just, it, it was, it was a lot. And we did love living in Boston. We lived there. I lived there for 10 years. Jesse, you lived there for what, 15 years? 15. Yeah. And it's an awesome city, but the expense was pretty crippling there at the end. Um, you know, like you, like we said, we both had good full-time jobs, but even with that, it can be really hard to pay the really high expensive rent and cost of living uh, expenses there. So it was definitely a struggle. And we were kind of at that point thinking, well, is it time for us to buy? And it, at the time, the prices in our neighborhood to buy a two bedroom apartment, which really wasn't going to be in that great of shape, we were really looking at like $750,000 to buy an apartment, which was not in our budget whatsoever. So we were trying to figure out, well, moving into the house in the suburbs, you know, that's great for some people. It wasn't great for us at the time. So we knew we had to figure out something else. So again, just RVing just fit right in there perfectly. It came in at the right time. Yeah, I'll say, so just so there's some comparison, 750000 for a two-bedroom. I'm currently on a 250-acre a piece of property in Texas. Wow. He's built an eight acre lake on his property. He's got a barn that has like a studio apartment in it. And he has another barn and he has a tremendous amount of equipment. He's not even close to spending $750,000 yet. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and when, that's the big thing. When we left, I think part of us was, okay, well, you know, we'll go back to Boston someday probably. And it really was after only a couple months on the road and we saw what you can get for the, your dollar around the country that I, I don't know where we will eventually settle, you know, when we do decide to settle someday. But I think that the cost of living in Boston is just, I think it's just way too high for us at this point. Well, you know what, let's transition this. This is a little ahead of the game, but I think it's good. In regards to your old life, you know, renting and commuting and going to a job to now the RV life, what costs more? And if you can kind of give a percentage of an idea of either how much more or less it is per month just for living, that'd be great too, I think, for the listeners. Well, in terms of the cost of being rent versus our campsites the cost of our campsites is half of what we were paying in an apartment and i think that is very difficult for us to talk about that in comparison to other people because again we were living in such a high cost of living area that maybe if you were transitioning from somewhere in the midwest or in the country to an rv i don't know if it would necessarily cost you less and again rving is different for everyone you can make it fit your budget which is one of the great things about it. Um, but for us, I would say that our cost of living is probably about half, but we do spend more money on vacation, travel, diesel, going out to eat than we did before. Would you say that's accurate, Jess? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's we still have a lot of the same utilities, like, you know, whether that is like cell phone bills or um, what we're spending, you know, we have a truck payment now. Um, things like that. Uh, so it's kind of in a lot of ways. Yeah, it, it is cheaper. We're saving money this way. Um, and the other big thing for us is just being out of Boston means everything is just in general cheaper. Um, mm -hmm. Like 
when I, w- I was recently back home and I don't miss like the land where a beer when you're out is nine, 10 or $11. Um, it's a lot better <laughs> when you get somewhere and it's like, you know, $4 beers again. And I'm like, this is fantastic. And if you think about that, a lot of the food, everything, it's just stuff is just cheaper once you get out of a lot of the major cities. Yeah, one of the things I was really surprised in one of the interviews was I interviewed a couple that they basically both worked remote. Well, he did, and she was kind of stayed home. And they did less miles their first year traveling mm-hmm. the country than they did, you know, combined with two cars, just running errands and running the kids' places. And I thought, that's amazing, because they they had done like 30 states. It wasn't like they did, you know, wow. five states. Wow. They had really done some serious across country and it wasn't nearly what they would do and once they figured that out they were shocked because i guess they were keeping pretty good detailed records of stuff they couldn't Mm -hmm. believe they did less miles traveling the country than they did running to the local starbucks or the kids to school kind of a thing which is really bizarre to me wow we are pretty bad at budgeting we will admit (laughs) but but what we do know is that overall we are spending less to have a much much higher quality of life and do so much more and especially do so many more things that we enjoy. So it's definitely, we pinch ourselves every day and say, how can we afford to do this? Because it does feel like living like a king in some ways. You know, when you see a beautiful view, you know, you have an oceanfront site, you're going out to eat, you really wonder like, how can we afford to do this? But you realize this because we don't have so many of those expenses that we used to be able to do. And RVing just is such a great affordable way to travel. And I also think that you have some variables though too, because you guys said it yourself, you know, I mean, you do some campground, then you can do some boondocking. Mm-hmm. If money's tight for some reason, you can make some changes. You can stay in one place. So you don't have a lot of diesel costs. You can do some boondocking or, you know, at least really affordable kind of dry camping in certain areas. But you can't do that with your rent and mortgage. You can't like go to your right. landlord and be like, hey, look, things have been, you know, can we not use this section of the house and get a little break in the rent? That's not how it works, you know, which is kind of an interesting part of this lifestyle. That's exactly what we do. So right now, like I mentioned, we're at Fort Wilderness, which is definitely the priciest campground that we've ever stayed at. Um, But we balance that out because next week we are going to be boondocking. Um, We try to average about $30 a night is about our budget for for campsites. And um, so so usually we're right around that number um, for our nightly rate. But sometimes we do a lot more. Sometimes we do a a lot less. And that all balances itself out, which is really nice. Now, have you guys used, let's say, a, like a Thousand Trails membership or Boondockers Welcome or Harvest Host at all? Are you guys using any of those elements? Yeah, uh, we use Harvest Host a lot when we're traveling. Um, it's a great way to, A, know where you're going to be sleeping that night instead of a random Cracker Barrel or Walmart. <laughs> um, and it's also just a great way to meet local people. Um, so we usually bounce around. We've been to a few different vineyards um, across the country at this point. Uh, we have a Boondockers Welcome membership. We actually just haven't gotten around to using it. <laughs> it's one of those things. But um, we really like you know, the flexibility and just knowing that there are these alternatives out there that are they're honestly so much better than sleeping in a rest stop um, on the highway for one night because we're trying to travel X hundreds of miles to get to our next destination. Our go-to is state parks, though. We love staying in our state parks. They're usually really affordable, so beautiful. They're usually pretty close to amenities as well. So that when we're looking to travel somewhere, that's usually the first place that we look is what are the state parks in the area. Um, so it, it's definitely what we like to do. Yeah, I like state parks, too, especially like, you know, Sunday, like around three when they come <laughs> bare bones and then there's no one there until Friday. Uh, that's always an amazing experience where it's just, you know, if you can stay at State Park Sunday through Friday, it's a completely different experience than Friday through Sunday. That's for sure. So, Absolutely true. We always laugh when on Friday afternoon we see everybody rolling in and we're working and we're like, oh, here come the crowds. <laughs> right. And, and those people are, are normally on vacation. Like that's a getaway from them. And it it's funny that you can almost tell who's the full timers and who's the weekenders. And mm-hmm. that part I oh, like yeah. too, where you can definitely see, oh, these people are on vacation. This is a, a break from them. You did mention something really interesting. I didn't grab on it when you said it, but I do feel in this lifestyle when you go and visit people, I, I just don't feel like there's as much of that. I need a vacation from my vacation 
when, you know, like just the old way of doing it, flying into hanging out with maybe sleeping on a couch or at a hotel and then coming back home, you needed like a little mini vacation before. But when you drive the RV and, you know, either park on property or at a campsite nearby and visit them, I just, it doesn't feel like you need that recoup time. And that's an interesting, yeah. like, I, I just hadn't really thought about that out loud, really, until you One, guys said it. One thing that was shocking to me was just, you know, uh, at the end of the year, I got my annual, like, here's how much PTO you've used for the last year. And someone came up to me and they're like, you've only used like two and a half weeks this entire year. And I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Cause we went to the Grand Canyon. Like we went to, we spent like three weeks in Yosemite. We went up to Seattle. Like we traveled the whole country and then we realized, oh, we were just actually making the use of our weekends. And that was such a difference in what we realized we could do with our time when, okay, yeah, there are some nights where we're going to drive late at night and park somewhere just so we can keep going. But when, for us, it was great, the idea of you get there and you're now there. There isn't a, we need to go find a, we have to go find our hotel. Now we need to figure out where everything else is located. It's, I know I'm sleeping in my own bed. I know I have my own bathroom. And tomorrow morning we can wake up at dawn and we can go out and hike. No, it's funny. I mean, I, I probably mentioned this on the podcast. So listeners, I apologize for the repeat is that when I was working remote in 2017, I noticed that I started to, I was getting close to my vacation days lapsing basically. And I had nine left out of my whatever 15. And I remember telling my boss where I was like, Hey, I have these nine days. Do you mind if I just take the next nine Fridays off? And she's like, no, we really can't do that. It's, you know, it's busy time for us. And it's like, you're on vacation anyways is what she said to me. And I was like, wow. People that live in Hawaii are not on vacation. People that travel mm-hmm. full-time in a fifth wheel or a camper, and any, they're not on vacation. And that was kind of an interesting battle that I've had. How did you guys transition from working, I'll assume, desk jobs to then remote? How did that go about? Yeah, so that's definitely interesting because we have a bit of a unique situation that I don't see that many people do, which is that we actually have the exact same jobs that we had back in Boston, which was really fortunate for us. So when we decided that we were going to transition to full-time RV, we made that decision and we told each other, we're going to do this no matter what. So we're going to go to our work. We're going to ask permission to go remote. If they say no, then we will figure out an alternate idea for employment. But we will give this a try and just see what happens. Um, We both were really fortunate where we had worked for our companies for several years at that point and built up a lot of trust. So we both asked our respective employers and to our surprise, they both said yes. So that is very much a pro, um, but also a tiny bit of a con. The pro is that we're really lucky that we still have these great careers and we have a lot frankly, a lot of income in comparison to most full-time RVers. But the major con is that we actually do still work a lot. We both work at least 50 hours a week, which is quite a bit, and we don't have flexibility. So we work nine to five, and we work Monday through Friday, no matter where we are. We always work East Coast hours. Uh, So that means that we don't have the flexibility that some RVers have to say, all right, you know, I wake up in the morning, I decide, you know what, I'm going to go pick up and leave or be able to take advantage of the national park when it isn't as busy during the week or meet up with these RVers that are available to hang out on Wednesday afternoon or something like that. But on the flip side, you know, like Jesse said, we do have our nights and weekends that where back in Boston, we probably would have gone out to the same restaurant that maybe we had gone to several times, um, you know, just kind of do normal watch Netflix, you know, things like that. And instead, we're already in our vacation destination on the evening and on the weekend. So now we spend our evenings going out to eat in a in a brand new city and, you know, try, go to a new brewery in New Orleans, go hiking on the weekend in Yosemite, things like that, where before we definitely would have had to take a week vacation to do that. And now we can just fit it into our normal lives, which is the best. So how was that conversation? Um, like break down how you guys were able to do that. I hear people wanting to do this mm-hmm. and it seems like it's, it's a lot of times it's an uphill battle because no matter how cool your boss is, there's a sense of loss of control. 
They won't be able yeah. to control you if they can't see. Are you working? If I can't visually see you working, are you actually working? Well, mm -hmm. let the work speak for that. Not the, you know, the idea of me pounding on a keyboard. That makes it sound like I'm working. So how was that to get them to go on board with that? How did that go? So I was actually really lucky um, through just a bunch of crazy random happenstance. Uh, my company got acquired uh, just a few months before we decided to do this. And I went from working exclusively with my team in our Boston office to being part of a much larger company. And my whole team suddenly was all based in LA. Um, so when I went to my boss and I was like, this is what I want to do. She told me, A, this is just an ultimatum. You're better than negotiating. But then told me, I don't really care where you are because you're already remote to the rest of the team. Um, once that was taken care of, it made it a lot easier for both Rachel and I because we knew at least I had my stuff taken care of. Uh, and if we had to make a change in our living situation, that would be easy enough to do. Yeah, I think that is was definitely easier for us than it would be for other people. But I think that the attitudes of companies are changing a lot. Remote work is becoming so much more common just in the past couple of years than before. Uh, I've been working with my company, I think, for seven years um, when I went remote. And I had a really great relationship with my boss. So I actually asked him out to dinner and said, hey, I want to talk to you about something concerning my career. And I think that he was actually really relieved when I was proposing to go remote because I think he was maybe a little worried that I was going to, I don't know, quit or I, who knows what. Right. But um, so for him, it was actually a relief. And he was really excited for me and said, this seems like an awesome opportunity. I want this for you. You know, I care about you as a person. I want you to have a great quality of life. So we we were really fortunate, um, you know, from that standpoint. But also, we both had companies that did have a certain degree of culture of remote work in it already. So my company has four locations. So I'm already remote to a lot of my coworkers because they just work in other offices. Um, and we also already had workers who were remote working, you know, from their homes. Now it is obviously like a bit different when you're saying I'm going to work remotely and I'm not going to be in the same place every day. But once you start doing it, they see and understand that it really is the same. Um, I think the other challenge for us too is that I actually am a manager. I have a team of three people underneath me that I manage, one of which was actually already remote, but then two additional folks that are in an office. And that was definitely the scariest part of me, actually me not being able to see the work that they're doing. But again, just like you said, that you know the work speaks for itself i know whether or not my employees are doing a good job i stay in constant communication with them through phone and uh live chat and all kinds of things so at the end it you know it's been uh, over a year now um and we were just actually in our offices last week um just to go there for some work and some meetings and my boss had kind of said to me you know this worked out really great. And he says, there, there was no lapse in productivity. You know, you've progressed in your career pretty much the exact same as you would have if you were here in the office. And also not only that, but I can see how you're just happier and more energized. So it, it worked out perfectly for us, but we also recognize that we were, we were really lucky and really fortunate. Yeah. I think I look back at, you know, I obviously I'm no longer employed, and I look back, it was actually pretty stressful in the regards to the schedule, which was kind of weird because mm -hmm. I was a salary commission-based employee. So it's really like I was a sales guy. So mm -hmm. why they needed me to be somewhere nine to five. And even when they were all on the West Coast and I was living on the East Coast, I worked East Coast hours. I mean, I would work kind of the time zone I'm in and that always threw them and got them kind of weird. But I wasn't reporting. No one was really reporting to me. But there was this stress of the internet, the stress of, yes. you know, I couldn't move until Saturday, which made like sometimes campground finding really difficult to try to move into a place on a Saturday. I will say, and I'll speak for me that I want to hear from you guys, is that I'm a better employee now. I get that I'm working for myself, but I don't have to worry about working during a time frame as opposed to working where I feel like I'm going to be as most productive as I want to. And I'm not moving when it's really bad for me. So I'd rather move on a Thursday and then work a Saturday, which I know most people can't do. Mm -hmm. But but I if I compare myself to who I was in LA working remote from my home, 
or working in an office compared to who I am today, there's just so much more work that gets done because I'm not in traffic for an hour and a half on the way to work, which is, that's just not fun for anyone. I don't care who you are. Nobody wants to get to work at nine and they've been on the road since 7.15. That's huge. The lack of commute is huge. We were just in Boston and we both had to commute um, last week and we were like, what a waste of time. (laughs) There were so many things that we could have been doing during that time, you know, for us or for the company. Uh, So that was definitely a huge element for us. Um, I mean, we don't have flexibility so that, you know, that is the drawback for us. We do um, always move on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, uh, which can be a little stressful. But overall, I would say that we are definitely better employees. We just are, I, I know for myself, I'm more focused on what it is that I need to do. I was definitely a person in the office where everyone would come to me with a million questions every day. And when they could have you know, ask somebody else or, you know, maybe spend a few more minutes to figure it out for themselves. So I added so much time by just not being as visible in the office and being able to concentrate on the goals that my employer had for me. So it it definitely worked great. I don't know about you, Jess, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, one of the big changes for me is, like I said before, my whole team is based out of LA and I work East Coast hours. So I automatically have a nice three hour buffer every day where I know I won't be bothered, um, which is great. So I can just sit down and just work uninterrupted for a few hours every morning. Um, another benefit of just being a remote employee that I've really enjoyed is, you know, through work, everything's over Slack and Zoom and whatnot, but being able to just message my team and be like, I just need to get this one project done. I'm going to put on my like noise canceling headphones. I'm going to mute all notifications. I will come up for air when I'm done. And then just being able to power through it and then be like, all right, we're good. This is now complete. It can be reviewed. I'm going to go eat lunch while you guys do that. Um, that's been a huge game changer. And then, yeah, being back in an office for the first time. And for me, <laughs> like close to a year uh, last week was definitely a bit of a culture shock when I had an hour and a half commute one day home. And there was another day where everyone was so excited that I was there. I had to just cancel all of my meetings because I was like, guys, people just won't stop talking to me. <laughs> right. No, and I, get, and I, I think that employers don't see that or get that. Like until you have one gone remote, let's just say remote to your home or remote in an RV. I agree with you. There really isn't a difference at all, except for, I think, the the energy. I think there is a little difference when you are, like you say, like each weekend, you're having these different experiences. When you come back Monday, you're refreshed in a different way than if you just stayed in your home. And like you said, visited the same restaurants, watched the same shows on Netflix. There is a little bit of an up difference there. I always had that thing where I said, you know, this meeting could have been an email. <laughs> yep. You know, like we literally wasted an hour and we could have solved this in one email, but because everyone's there, it's like, let's just bring everyone together. This will get it done faster. And it doesn't, it doesn't get more work done and it doesn't get things done faster until you actually remove yourself from an office. And I think it's really powerful. And I want to keep kind of like talking about that when I have the opportunity, because hopefully at some point, some employer somewhere at a big company will listen and say, you know, my customer service people are awful, but I bet if they were living in an RV and they were getting these calls, they'd probably have a great attitude and love life because they're not chasing a check as much. They're not in all this traffic going to a cubicle. It's just a different experience. We definitely wake up happier every day where we say, okay, we're going to go to, you know, our quote unquote offices, you know, in our RV. And knowing that we have a life to live after we log off for the day makes such a huge difference in our quality of life. And you mentioned earlier about, you know, the employer joking, oh, well, aren't you always on vacation? I think that I always say that living full time and traveling full time, it's all like, it's a little bit like you're always on vacation, but it's also a little bit like you're always working. So there is a trade off there. But I think for the most part, we just feel so unplugged on the weekends compared to the way that we used to, that you're so right that when we log in for work, we are much happier and much rested than we were before. Without a doubt. And it's just a message that I think needs to be talked about. sounds like you guys are doing a great job representing the remote RV worker. That's for sure. Especially (laughs) if your boss is coming back at in a review process and saying, this has just been really great. If the teams are already remote. I mean, one of the people I interviewed, they had to quit their job 
because they weren't allowed to go to remote, but their boss was in Texas and they were in LA. <laughs> and, and it was like, what's the difference if I work in a desk or if I work at my home desk or I work in an RV desk? Like it was weird that there's a difference to them. I think that's the mindset that hopefully, you know, at some point people will start to be like, Oh, I get it. They're actually working. Like for me, I, I held back on, you know, I would be like, oh, I want to post this photo on Instagram today. And it was obviously shot during the weekend. But then I was like, wait a minute, what if my boss thinks I'm kayaking right now in a state that I'm not in anymore? You know what I mean? Like, that's the part where I was like, this is ridiculous. It's getting too weird. And we do that all the time. So we take all our photos pretty much on the weekend when we are having fun and having adventures but then we post them throughout the week and you know our parents will call us and be like are you working we're like no 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 that was on saturday <laughs> this, right. this is how instagram works <laughs> exactly it's not it's not live it's a photo yeah it, it's a weird phenomenon so what have been the ways that you guys, and it's kind of interesting transition, that you've been documenting your adventures? I, I don't always try to assume that everyone is on all the channels. Like, are you guys documenting your adventures? And then what kind of channels are you using to do that? Right now, we're really just using our Instagram, which is at the Taste for Adventure. And what we document there um, that maybe is slightly different from um, the normal travel RV account is that we are really into food and beer. So we visit a lot of restaurants and a lot of breweries and we like to sample things all over the country, like whether it's like a roadside barbecue shack or like a higher end restaurant in Seattle. Um, so we document a lot of our stuff there. Um, we maybe might <laughs> I'm probably jinxing myself, but our goal <laughs> for 2020 is to start a blog. We have it we've been working on it and we're hoping that maybe we will launch it this year and that would be at the tasteforadventure.com but I think that one of the things that we realized was that we just it's so it's very difficult to balance everything you know documenting everything that you're doing documenting your adventures is a whole other part-time job on top of the full-time travel and on top of our full-time jobs so I think that we realized at some point we had to figure out what that balance would be um but i think also what the thing that we discovered um by being on instagram was we kind of did it at first as to like document and um you know keep in touch with friends and family and things like that but we quickly discovered that that's where the community is and so being able to connect with full-time RVers and we meet people all the time all over the country that we met through Instagram which has been so so wonderful because you talk to people about what it is you're doing and no one understands it like the people who are also doing it so you can talk about all the things that drive you crazy about you know truck repairs and finding campsites and things like that that you can't talk about with anybody else um so finding that community online has been amazing yeah i made a really funny rv joke around a bunch of people that aren't RVers, and it it didn't <laughs> kill at all and i was like man this is a waste i gotta save this one's for the campfires this is a waste of a joke they don't get it <laughs> yeah and it can get pretty lonely out on the road but I mean, we, but believe it or not, we're social pretty much every single week. So whether we're meeting up with someone that we know around the country, that's like our real life friends um, and family, um, or just meeting up with people that we know through Instagram. And now we really, you know, do socially interact with people in real life uh, every week, which actually is maybe more than we did when we lived in a house <laughs> in Boston, which is kind of crazy. Um, but the community is amazing. Yeah, I think I've heard from people that they know their neighbors kind of better in a campground during that week than they knew their neighbors in the home they lived in. And I always mm -hmm. find that because it is a different community. I talk about sometimes when I talk about to, to people and they're saying it's hard to meet people. I'm like, just pop a tire off your fifth wheel. Right. <laughs> Everyone will come over and want to talk to you and want to help you. And I remember, you know, popping a ladder in front of my condo. No one came over and tried to help. You know, mm -hmm. no one was like, let me help you clean your gutters. But in this lifestyle, there is something that's a little different. And it's hard to explain to people that aren't living the lifestyle, even even like weekenders. A lot of times they are like, I don't I don't get what you're saying. I'm like, yeah, this mm -hmm. is part of the lifestyle because it's still just a little different. There's um, so much to talk about, though. I mean, even if you've never met someone or you hardly know anything about that person when you meet up with them, you can just talk about 
the lifestyle for days and days and days. And it you have so much co in common with really every RVer already, which is great. I've also learned that my memory is not as sharp as a lot of the people that I meet. I mean, they understand, they remember the highways they were on and the campgrounds <laughs> they stayed at. And I'm just like, I'm literally the guy that's like, what state am I in? Like, that's, that's a miracle to me. If I could tell you I'm in Texas, <laughs> and, and I came out in two seconds. Uh, this is kind of a fun segue. I've never asked this question. Do you guys ever sit back and trip out on people that did this? Now, obviously not digital nomading, but people that just did this as vacation 30 years ago without the technology we have? Oh my gosh, all the time. I, I don't even know how people did this five years ago, much less 30 years ago. I mean, every time we get anywhere I mean, you pull up your Google Maps. We don't know where we are. We don't know where the grocery store is or or I don't know how to find campsites without Campendium. Um, I remember when I was a little kid, we when we used to vacation in an RV, we had like our good sand book and we would like be driving down the road and my mom, and then we would have to stop at pay phones and then my mom would call the campgrounds to see if they had availability. So just that difference, um, you know, from, and that was, you know, 25 years ago uh, versus now is, it's absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah, I do it just from the navigation. I mean, obviously I grew up with Thomas Guide and maps. I mean, I understand that, mm -hmm. but the actual travel across country into like, you know, go into like Louisiana and then like, you know, go through your little map and then you don't have a Louisiana map. Now what? You know, right. you thought you did. Now you got to try to find a triple A somewhere. I just like, how did these people do it? And you know, they, they say it's distracted driving to have a little six inch screen in front of you. Have you seen a map? Those maps are like, <laughs> they're like tablecloths. Like that blocks the whole window. How is that legal? That's what makes me laugh too. For us, even repairs, I mean, when we run into an issue where we're like, we don't know what is going on with our RV right now, we can just pop online, look it up, and usually we can find the answer, and we just think, what would we have done, like, without the internet? We wouldn't have been able to renovate, you know, we wouldn't have been able to make many of the repairs that we've been able to do, we wouldn't have been able to find mobile mechanics, it's, it's absolutely insane. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny for me as a business owner in and around this lifestyle, even though it's been around for a while, I feel like I'm still at the birth kind of stages of this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Like, or I feel like, you know, because I talk about this in the magazine in 2016, when I thought about becoming a digital nomad and traveling in an RV, the first thing my mind went to was, well, I want to find a magazine about this lifestyle. I bet there's one and there wasn't one. Mm -hmm. And then three years later, there still wasn't one. And it's like, it's still very early. Cause even when you talk to people that have taken off in the last three years, they will say there was a handful of RV channels, you know, maybe, right. maybe less than 10. And now there's thousands or not, maybe not thousands, but there's hundreds and hundreds of RV kind of related channels. And then I, like you said, and the to do's and stuff. So that's really good. So at the end of the show, I like to ask people kind of what's been the best thing that's happened on the road and the worst thing. I like to start with the worst, so we end with a high. <laughs> what's one of the worst things that's happened on the road? Do you want to take this one, Joss? Yeah. Um, I think one of the worst things that's happened to us on the road was uh, this was in the first month of us having the rig. And we went to go park at a family's friend's house. And it was a fun combination of an automatic closing gate, a tree that was just like two inches too low and resulted in us tearing a huge hole in our roof in the rain days before we were supposed to fly out for the holidays. <laughs> um, that was definitely one of the most stressful experiences that we've had of, you know, we learned a valuable lesson, always look up, <laughs> always. <laughs> um, but, you know, and that ended up with for a little while, yeah, we had that lovely uh, blue tarp bungeed over like two-thirds of our roof because we were like it has to stay dry and we can't fix it right now right we will worry about this this will be a problem for us in the future and it was but everything's now fine and taken care of and now i have no to make sure i keep an extra roll or two of uh, roof tape on it that's so funny that you say that jess i thought you were going to talk about getting stuck in the grand canyon that was also <laughs> We, I, there's definitely been a couple scenarios where we've gotten stuck or a, you know a little a little nick or dent in the RV you know throughout the years and that's always been really really stressful um, but you know that's that's part of when you you were hauling your whole home with you definitely you were inviting uh, you know all kinds of trouble but I think that just being extra careful but 
that helps a lot, but unfortunately, sometimes you have to learn a lesson the hard way, and we've definitely learned a couple lessons the hard way. <laughs> well, let me say this. I think most time in, well, I don't want to call it real life, but when someone's living in a bricks and sticks and you ask them, hey, tell them your worst story, and someone doesn't tell the worst story, and then one person, the couple says, I thought you were going to tell them this story, and you're <laughs> laughing about your worst story, that's a difference, because normally when you ask them, okay, tell me your worst thing, it's like really heavy and dark. Our worst things are at somewhat comical at the end of it. Like the idea of damaging your roof when it's rainy. Right. Kind of like, what are the odds? You know, right. and, and we're about to leave. Like you really, Jesse, you picked the perfect time, but I'm proud of you. <laughs> so what's been, uh, what's been some of the best things on the road? I know we've kind of hinted a little throughout the conversation, but what's a moment that you can really, you know, that, that, that big moment where you're like, I can't believe this is our life. Oh my gosh, it's so many and it really is hard to choose because when we think about how much we are able to do each year within this lifestyle, it's really incredible to think about. Um, I think like exploring our national parks is something that we definitely never would have done or like chosen as a vacation um, before RVing and we absolutely love it now. I mean, the thing that I always think about was when we first were driving down to Big Bend National Park and at that point we had pretty much just been on the east coast and we were kind of transitioning to the west um, and we were driving down there and it was just so wide and so open and we got to Big Bend and it was just unlike anything that we've ever experienced before coming from the northeast um, you know like living in the desert and hiking these amazing Rocky Mountains we backpacked for the first time um, that was a high point for me where I think it was the first time we really felt like wow this is a real adventure that we're doing here um, and just felt so, so blessed and lucky to be able to do it. I think it is really funny when you talk about the difference between East Coasters and West Coasters. So for me to actually see fall, because right. okay, I mean, palm trees don't change colors, just, you know, I'm a spoiler alert. They stay pretty much green the entire year, but does actually see fall or actually have weather that changes you know being from los angeles if it rains once a year it's mind-blowing and to actually see weather that changes you know i'm in texas and i've had six different seasons already <laughs> since being here for like two weeks <laughs> that part of it is really different you just don't realize what you're missing but then i'm also the guy that's like i can't deal with snow like i i don't want <laughs> i don't mind going to it for like snowboarding or skiing like that part is cool but the living in it Mm -hmm. this is why I love where it's like oh it's gonna snow next week well I will be gone today we are leaving now <laughs> we don't miss the snow at all we were just in the northeast for three weeks for the holidays and it snowed while we were there and we were like wow we do not miss shoveling at all <laughs> but it really is amazing what a huge diverse country we have I think you everyone kind of knows it a little bit but until you're out there driving around you really realize just how many different environments and cultures there are here. And we're just so lucky, um, you know, to live here and have the opportunity to do that. Yeah, I do find it funny that when people talk about exploring and vacations, they immediately go Europe, Asia, right. Australia. That's what they'll talk about. And a lot of times they never do that because of just the budgets to do that. And the actual idea of taking you know, a couple of weeks and just even traveling five or six states, depending where we are, is it's, you're like in a whole different world. And you didn't even realize, especially someone like me that, you know, I did 40 plus years in Southern California. Right. And I have no memory of living in Seattle, New York and Boston. I was too young. And then also too, when you're like, well, I've been to Atlanta. Yeah, but you haven't been to Georgia. You've been to Atlanta. Right. That's yeah. different than Georgia. Oh, I've been to New York. No, no, you've been to New York City. You've been to Manhattan. You haven't been to New York. <laughs> And it's really interesting when people are like, well, I don't know what you mean. And like, well, then figure it out because you'll be blown away when you get out of these big cities, what's available. I always say that the, the more you travel the U.S., the more the places that you want to see. I think I, there's like a short list of things I want to see in the U.S. And now the list is a million miles long now that I've seen just a fraction of it. <laughs> Rachel, you're the second person that has said that to me where they actually said they had a bucket list of going to a place and when they're at the place the bucket list grows just with that place yes. but they didn't allocate enough time to do all the things that they find about they, they find out about when they're there and I'm like that's really interesting that happened to me too but I don't I just haven't said it out loud mm -hmm. so yeah, real quick definitely a thing that oh. we've seen a lot where you go somewhere and you're like okay I have this list of these three things that I definitely want to do here and then as soon as you do those three things and you're like all right we're gonna leave and then on the way out you're like 
I want to do this thing next time we're here. And like, we've just slowly been building. Yeah. It's a much longer bucket list of, we can't get to every national park and we can't go everywhere we want to go. And we know that there's are places where it's like, we want to go back there. I mean, like I make fun of someone I saw that, you know, I don't know if you guys have one of the state stickers on your RV and I saw one that just had Texas. And I said, to him, <laughs> I said to them, Oh, you've been full-time in five years, huh? Because that's literally Texas right. is so big. There's so much to do just here in this state that I was being kind of funny in the sense of how long it takes to leave the state. But it also dawned on me like that could actually be true. You could spend years just in Texas and going sure. to different places, you know, and you could spend a good couple months in Rhode Island, but at that point you've probably seen everything in Rhode Island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Texas is its own giant country for sure. It was at one time too. Do you know that? I did. We learned that while we were down there. Yeah, I, I think I did too. But when they were like, that's why we call it the Lone Star. I'm like, oh, my bad. Sorry. Relax. I didn't know. <laughs> um, where can people find you? I know we talked about a little, but if people want to be able to see your travels and maybe DM you and ask you questions about like, how do I approach my boss and the idea of going remote, mm -hmm. where can people find you? The best place to find us is on Instagram. Um, that's the the Taste for Adventure is our handle there. Um, and that... The Taste for Adventures are handled everywhere. So when we get that blog up, it'll be thetasteforadventure.com. Um, you can email us at thetasteforadventure at gmail.com. And we love talking to people, really. Like, I, there, nothing makes me happier than when people DM us or email us with questions about how they can go full-time or remote or questions about a destination that we had just been to. I love giving, both of us, we love giving advice to fellow travelers or potential travelers. It's one of our favorite things um, about this life style. That's awesome. Well, Jesse, Rachel, I want to thank you guys both for hanging out with me on the show today. And again, everyone, I'll link everything down below on how to get a hold of them and uh, any other kind of show notes that might be useful. And again, you guys, thanks so much for hanging out with me. Yeah, thanks so much, Damien. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. All right, another fun episode in the books. Next week, I have Andrew and Janelle, home with the Hoopers, and we're going to chat about their lives as digital nomads. Now, don't forget to hit subscribe to this podcast and make sure to leave a review as it's a big help in getting the word out about this podcast. And in speaking about getting the word out, please do me a favor. Tell your family and friends, even if they're maybe just thinking about the digital nomad lifestyle, it's a huge help in getting the word out about the podcast. And also, you can head over to Instagram and hang out with us there. Just search for at rootlesslivingmag, M-A-G, all one word. Or you can even search the hashtag rootlessliving. If you know anyone that is living the digital nomad life, it would make a good guest or, hey, you know what, maybe that's even you. Feel free to email me at podcast at rootlessliving.com and we'll talk about you coming on the show. Now, thanks again for listening. I hope to hang with you next week. Until then, stay rootless.